Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. So welcome to See Uncovered. Today joining me is Lawrence Levy, President and CEO of Levy & Associates. Very excited to talk more about taxes with you and kind of dive into taxes when it comes to students and young entrepreneurs. And for those who don't know, Lauren is an expert on this topic, so he's going to help us try to navigate the way in the world of taxes. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things to start off with. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're a young person, whether you're a teenager or you're in your 20s, we'll, we'll call that young, way younger than me, mm-hmm. you're typically going to get paid one of two ways. Either you're going to get a W-2, so you actually work for someone and they withhold taxes federal, Social Security, Medicare, and then depending upon what state you live in, some states have uh, state income tax, some don't, like Florida doesn't, as an example. New York does, Michigan does, so some states do, some don't. So that's one way where you get paid a regular W-2. Let's just say you get paid $20 an hour, they're going to take out taxes, so your gross check is going to be the total, the big number. Your your net check is going to be the what you take home in your pocket actually so that's the difference between the gross and the net the gross is the bigger number the net is what you actually pocket after they take out the withholding the federal withholding and the state withholding so that's that's way one so let's say you work you know let's say you work at the movie theater and you get paid 20 dollars an hour and you work a 40 hour week you're going to get a check for 400 out uh, for 400 dollars minus taxes so your net could be $318.22, some odd number. The difference between the 400 and what you take home, that's going to be the taxes that get withheld. So that's way number one. Let's go with a different scenario. Let's say that you end up getting a job selling something and that person is going to pay you as an independent contractor as what's called a 1099 you're going to receive. In that scenario, you're not going to have any taxes withheld. You're actually responsible for your own taxes. Maybe you're working as a realtor if you get your license. Maybe you're working as a landscaper, whatever that may be. So in that scenario, let's use the same numbers, but you typically don't get paid by the hour uh, as an independent contractor, or at least you shouldn't. You should get paid by the job or a commission in essence. And so in that scenario, now the biggest difference there is you're going to actually have to accommodate and pay for your own taxes, but you're going to be able to write off certain expenses. So as an independent contractor, you have to think of it like it's your own business in a way. So you're going to keep track of any related expenses to what you did for a living. So let's say that you're a realtor, as an example, you're going to keep track of your mileage. You'll keep track of any other expenses like your cell phone, like you had to go out and buy an iPad or a laptop or you had to attend a seminar or you end up taking someone out for a cup of coffee at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or to lunch, now you'll have meals expense. So when you get a 1099 and no taxes get taken out, you then can deduct or write off, as the other term people use, your expenses. So there's a pretty big difference between getting a 1099 versus being an employee and getting a W-2. In terms of income tax brackets, how are they determined and how do you know which one you fall under? Uh, that's really going to be something that when you do your tax return, you can, as a general rule of thumb, you know, there's there's different 
tax brackets, which is really going to be a percentage. You're in the 20% bracket, 15%, 30% typically. But when you do your taxes, a general rule of thumb is going to be just on average. It could be anywhere from 15% on the low side to even if you're making a million dollars, it could be 40% or if you live in New York, as an example, between your state, between your local, between your federal, you could be paying 50%. I know it sounds crazy. So your tax bracket is going to be determined by a few things. It's not quite that straightforward, but it's going to be based upon your income and based upon what you end up netting. So there's a few different factors, which is probably too complicated to explain, at least on this particular podcast for today. Totally understand. When we're talking about refunds, why is the IRS giving us money back? A refund is going to be if you've overpaid tax. There are some exceptions to that. If you have a child and you claim what's called earned income credit, so there are some exceptions, but in general, just to water the explanation down, let's go back to my example. Let's say that you work at, we'll make something up. I I love Costco, so we'll use Costco as an example. Let's say you work at Costco and you're single and you made $48,000, $4,000 a month and you had taxes withheld. You get your tax returns uh, prepared and you end up having a refund of $1,000. It just means that you had too much taken out of your check and the IRS is going to refund you the difference. So for our clients, we always like to get them as close to the break even as we can get them. So I'd actually rather you owe 500 than have a refund of let's say 5,000 because a refund means that Uncle Sam had an interest-free loan throughout the year. So I'd rather you have that extra $100 a week in your pocket then the IRS giving you a refund of 5000 come the end of the year. You can use your money. You can save your money. So refunds, while they sound great, in my theory, I'd rather you have a way to maximize your take-home pay. So that's how you get a refund is simply an overpayment of the tax. Now, self-employed people can also have refunds because if you're self-employed, you should be making what's called quarterly estimates. So when you're self-employed and get that 1099, you're not having taxes taken out. Therefore, IRS says you must pay as you go on your own. And if you overpay uh, for whatever the reason may be, you miscalculated or you had high deductions, then you could get a refund back as a self-employed person as well. In terms of what's been going on lately, everyone's getting these refund checks back from the government, um, you know, the third, the second stimulus is... Yeah, the stimulus uh, the, the stimulus was under COVID and uh, CARES Act. That's pretty much done. That was a 2020 event and a 2021 event. So that whole COVID stimulus, that's all done. But what's not done is what you're seeing now in the news about adding 80,000 IRS employees with a new bill that the government just signed uh, last week. Mm-hmm. So to your point about asking about a self-employed young person, Let's say that you start a business and we've got a lot of, of, of clients that are, are younger, younger than me at least. Mm-hmm. And if you're self-employed, it's going to be really, really critical to keep really good books because we do believe that that is going to be the target that they're going to try and hit for increases in audits. So it's really important whether you start your own business. It could be a landscaper. Maybe you graduate and you're going to start your own uh, law firm after you graduate law school, or you get out of med school, or you want to create an online um, web marketing business, whatever it may be, 
keeping your books and records accurate is a really, really important piece because in my opinion, think of it this way. Think of it like Ashley is going to be one of those new 80,000 employees. So let's say that you applied for a job tomorrow at the IRS. And it's going to take at least six to eight months to get you trained. And then by, let's say, the middle of next year, we'll call it, or the spring of next year, when tax returns are going to be filed for 2022 in 2023, right? Uh, maybe Ashley, the newly trained IRS examiner is the term, an IRS agent is an, an auditor, basically, although agent could also mean criminal. But I'm talking about the civil audit side of it. How much experience are you really going to have? So what my concern, and I just did in two, two interviews with two different news outlets last week, you can listen to it on a, uh, the Rundown podcast, which is Fox News's podcast. And also there's an article on CNBC.com. Uh, that I had two interviews, you're going to have someone like Ashley, the newly trained IRS auditor, and how much experience are you going to have? So mm -hmm. it's crazy to me that you're going to have people that aren't going to have that much experience that are going to be auditing people. And unfortunately, we deal with a lot of audit defense work and the exam agents are oftentimes not all that sophisticated. Um, I'll give you a pop quiz, Ashley. You've heard of, of something called StockX. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So pretty common thing. Your age bracket knows about it. Even me and I'm in my 50s. I know about it. We're dealing with a guy that's in the e-commerce space right now, and he sells his product that he buys sometimes on StockX. Do you know this, this IRS auditor, the examiner, nice lady, she didn't even know what StockX was. We literally had to explain to her, one of the guys in my office, what StockX was. I assume she knew what Facebook Marketplace was. But that's my concern is that you have so many people that will have no idea and they're going to be placed into these audit scenarios and not really understand what they're supposed to be looking for. Mm -hmm. So that's what our concern is, what we see in the news. But regardless, two things, to protect yourself, uh, the, the young entrepreneurs that you have, so your, your demographic, your listening audience on your podcast, you really need to make sure that you hire a firm that's going to be doing your bookkeeping. If you really don't want to do that because you don't want to, you can't, you can't afford it or whatever the reason is, I highly recommend that you keep track of all your records, whether you go out and try and learn QuickBooks yourself or whether you keep it on an Excel spreadsheet. For all I care, you write it down and take a picture of your receipts. Keeping accurate records is a really critical component to being able to challenge these audits. W-2 employees, I'm not so much worried about because I think that's going to be less likely. But to your point, we actually had a gentleman who called our office today. He was a, a W-2 employee, but he also had a side hustle. He had two different businesses. One was con construction and one was he was uh, trying to be a boat captain, taking people out on fishing charters. And he's in the middle of an audit. And IRS right now is auditing two years, a 2021 tax return and a 2020 tax return. So he doesn't have the greatest records. He said he dropped off his records to his CPA and they really had very little dialogue about it. And now he's getting audited. And so now he's scratching his hand thinking, what did he do wrong? So mm -hmm. it's really important that your listening audience, especially that young entrepreneur, that you keep track of your records and that you communicate with your accountant. You have to have a good working relationship and have some dialogue and be able to talk. And unfortunately, and I'm in the business, sometimes the accountants just don't have that much personality. Yeah. I've been in this my entire life. 
And so that's always a challenge. So I always say you really want to chummy chummy up and try and be best buddies with your accountants that you can have that dialogue. Mm-hmm. But those are the main differences between a W-2 employee versus a 1099, which means you're an independent contractor. So should teenagers file a tax return, let's say they're working a babysitting or a lawn mowing job, how do they know if they are able to file if they're only making a certain amount? My technical answer is yes, you should be. I'm not sure there's any 15-year-old babysitters get, getting mm-hmm. paid $10 an hour or whatever you pay babysitters these days that are filing a tax return, but mm-hmm. income is income. Uh, to that point, by the way, IRS is even going to be cracking down on uh, eBay transactions. That's why they're asking for, if you're listing stuff on some of these websites, Netaport or eBay, they're going to be asking for uh, your social security number because it's it's technically income. And and I think where you're going to have a problem in that world, and I'm making, uh, I'll give you another example is, let's say that you, you buy a pair of, of fancy sneakers like some of the kids these days like to wear. So you buy the sneakers for $350 and we'll make it a thousand dollars some fancy pair of sneakers and you're going to sell it for $800. So in a perfect world, you're taking a loss on that, not counting what PayPal or another um, uh, middleman is going to take in that, but you bought it for a thousand, you're selling it for 800. Well, how are you going to explain that to the IRS? Are you now in business in the sneaker business? So I think that's going to be another problem going forward where a lot of these online sites are asking you for your social security number uh, in order to list things uh, on their sites. It's mm-hmm. crazy. I think you're going to see a lot of changes in the next few years. But if you're the, the babysitter at 14 years old, technically it's income. Yeah. But I've not really seen any babysitters at 14 years old reporting it. Now, let's say that you have that same 15-year-old child and they're working for a business and there may be a busboy at a restaurant or maybe they're, you know, at certain ages, you could be, you know, get a job. I don't care where it could be. When I was that age, I worked at a camp. I was a counselor at 15 or 16 years old and I was, I was working and I got a W-2. Yes, you have to file your own tax return. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people re- think it's not a certain amount of money, so they don't have to. And going back to your point about Craigslist, is that have anything to do with like a ticket master if I were to transfer a ticket or a stub hub are, are those type of things we should look out for I'm not really worried about that so much we've not seen that but I do think that Venmo PayPal um, a, a lot of like cash app mm-hmm. I think those are all things that are, are are being used I think a lot of kids do do the that I'm not what I was saying is I'm not I'm not worried about the stub hub and the ticket master so much mm-hmm. I'm more worried about the businesses that are going to try and pay someone via Venmo or Cash App or any of those, I think that's going to be something that you definitely need to report it. But let's make it easy for everyone listening. If you end up having income, I don't care what you do. The babysitter, the 15-year-old babysitter, I'm not overly concerned about, quite frankly. But income is income and you should report it. That's the way it should go. But in in, in general terms, uh, you just need to declare your income that you make. Cash is always um, something you should declare. Uh, so if you make money, put it in the bank, declare it. Don't try and beat the system because you will get caught eventually. It's not worth it. But a lot of clients these days, they're actually paying staff uh, Venmo or PayPal or their cash app. And those are being questioned by the IRS. And then there's no paper trail 
well, where's the 1099 to pay that person? But mm -hmm. not really worried about the ticket master type thing, yeah. but I am worried about the other pieces. You got to be really careful of that. But again, circling back, if you, if you keep track of your records, you'll be okay if IRS mm -hmm. comes knocking. But on top of that, you really need to have a good working relationship with your accountant. Otherwise, everything we're talking about is going to be useless because you'll still be in a, a, a heap of water. Mm -hmm. And let's say a business has an accountant and you're an employee. Would you suggest a person have their own accountant as well? No, um, you're asking if, if someone is an employee and they have a W-2. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that in general, you should go to a tax preparer. I'm not a big fan of the national chains. Mm -hmm. I think you should go to someone who is certainly licensed. So you want to have a comma after their name. I completely agree. Can a parent report their child's income on their own tax return? No, uh, a parent cannot. The parent would claim the child as a dependent. And then that child, let's say you have a teenage kid, they have to report and they have to file their own separate tax return. It does not get reported on the mom and dad's tax return. In terms of running a business, in your opinion, should owners have a separate business bank account? A hundred and ten percent. You absolutely, even if you are, let's say, um, Ashley's landscaping or Ashley the orthodontist, and you are what's called a sole proprietor, you a hundred and ten percent should have a separate bank account. You do not want to co-mingle. So co-mingling is allowed if you're a sole proprietor, self-employed, but we highly, highly, highly recommend that you keep a separate bank account, 150%. Business mm -hmm. income goes into it. You spend your business expenses out of it. And if you need to, you will have a separate bank account for your individual uh, expenses. When you go to the grocery store and buy milk and cereal, it's going to be a different for an account than what you're going to pay your business cell phone bill out of. Mm -hmm. So 110%, keep everything separate. Do not commingle. And how should businesses be recording their transactions? Well, a business brings the money in, so it should go into a corporate account, ABC Company Inc. So mm -hmm. all the money goes into the bank account, and then all the money that you spend would get paid out of that same corporate account. So how to keep track of it is going to be hiring a bookkeeper and accountant. How to keep track of it is making sure that you use a business account for business expenses. And you really try not to have that crossover where you're paying for a personal bill out of a business account. We see too many clients that are paying their, we have a client that was paying their, their kids college rent for their dorm room or their apartment out of his corporate account. That's mm -hmm. a big no, no, you can't do that. So again, it's really just, again, try and keep it simple where your business income goes into your business account. And if you have a business expense, I'll take you and I, for example, you and I go out to dinner, right? Clearly I'm a guest on your podcast. And if you choose to treat me for dinner, that's going to be paid for out of your business debit card or your business credit card. Yeah. But let's say, and I don't know if you're single or married, but let's say that you're too young to be married, but let's say that you go out with your boyfriend right? And let's say you're going to be that nice girl that's going to treat him on his birthday to dinner. When you pay for that dinner, that shouldn't be out of your corporate account because it's a personal expense. When you go to the grocery store and you're buying milk and cereal and toothpaste, 
right? That's going to be a personal expense. And a lot of times people commingle and that gets into a, a lot of hot water as well, which is not needed. Keep it simple. Keep it straight. That honestly was my next question was about tax write-offs and what are legal and what are not, because we see a lot of people are writing off things just to write them off and doesn't really go into an expense. Is that something right. you see? It, it, we see that all the time. Uh, we see clients that will either just write things off just to make numbers up and that's fraud. And mm-hmm. that could be illegal. I mean, that, that's illegal. And there's different levels of it. There's civil fraud, there's criminal. So you absolutely should not just make things up just to make things up. Mm-hmm. And of course, the client comes in and they'll blame it on their account. And why well, didn't tell them to do this? Well, you signed the goddamn tax return. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So we, we see that a lot. Sometimes it's so blatant where we've had a client who's a W-2 wage earner and they literally make up a business that doesn't exist and they literally make up expenses that don't exist. And then the client plays dumb mm-hmm. and they blame it on the tax preparer. Well, IRS isn't going to buy that. So legitimate expenses would be what you can attribute to your business. So mm-hmm. you and I go out to dinner and we talk business. Absolutely. That's a business meal. That's correct. Your cell phone, your laptop, your rent at your office. If you have travel, you can go to a seminar for your business in Orlando or in Vegas. That's a legitimate business write-off. You go out to dinner with your boyfriend for Valentine's Day. It's not. So these are questions that you should ask your accountant. And that's why having that relationship with your accountant is very, very, very critical in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What deductions do you get back if you own a business? Well, you don't really get deductions back. Um, you, You actually get to deduct your expenses. So if you own a business, there's two types and we'll give two examples. You own a corporation right? It doesn't make, really won't make much difference. But if you have a corporation or a sole proprietorship, you're going to deduct all of your business expenses, payroll, rent, insurance, advertising, cell phone, travel, uh, buying supplies. So you're going to deduct off all of your legitimate and your kosher business expenses. So mm-hmm. those are your deductions. So let's make up the number. You make a million dollars, you spend with legitimate business deductions, $950,000. And what's left, well, that's your $50,000. That's your income. Mm-hmm. So Ashley, the landscaper, she has a, a great landscaping business. Um, if you're in a snowbelt climate, you're going to landscape and mow lawns and, and do mulch in the summertime. And in the wintertime, you're going to plow. So you mm-hmm. make a million dollars. You have your payroll costs. You have your insurance. You have to buy the supplies. You have to buy the mulch. You have to put gas in the car for the trucks for to get from job to job. You have your cell phone, you have your computers. So after taking all those expenses, let's say you made a million and you spent 950. Well, that means that you have $50,000 left over. If you're a sole proprietor, that's your money. That's what you lived off of. So after you paid all your expenses and you took all your deductions, you're left with 50 grand in your pocket. That's how you take the deductions. Whatever's left is your profit. Got it. I think people get confused on what you're getting back when you own a self-business company because when you are on TurboTax, it has you list off many things, but it doesn't really explain what they are. And I think that's really hard for people to do their own taxes is when you do do TurboTax, you're confused and there's no one there to help you. Uh, I, you're spot on again. 
And that's why it is not worth it to try and do a TurboTax or take any software and try and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. No different than, I'll give you another example, right? If you're going to sell your house, you're going to hire a realtor. Some people say, ah, I don't want to pay for the realtor commission. I'm going to sell for sale by owner. So I just can't believe that people don't want to try and and sell their house with a realtor because they don't want to pay. Why would you not pay a few hundred dollars to have your tax prepared the right way? Because if not, you're going to struggle with trying to read the directions and follow along with TurboTax as an example. It makes no sense. So the moral of all this story and all this interview is for that young entrepreneur, you really, really, really want to get a relationship and establish one at a young age with someone who you feel comfortable with. 100%. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for joining us and really diving into taxes and what we should look out for in these next coming years. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.